Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love and grace. And thank you for the opportunity to look at your word and to sing and worship through music as we've got to do this morning. I pray that you would help us in reaching this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, starting in our own community and then going throughout our state and this nation and North America and the world. Now speak to us through your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Colossians chapter 1. While you're turning there, let me say thank you to Lisa and to all of our volunteers who've been leading us in worship the last few weeks. We really appreciate it. Amen. Thank you so much. Lisa and Andrew and Terry, and uh, we are working as a committee to find an interim and then to find the right person permanently, but we're very grateful for the talented people who are leading us uh, during this interim time. You're doing a great job, and we really do appreciate it. Hope you will come back for uh, the musical tonight. It's always really good and a lot of fun, so don't miss out on that tonight. And thank you so much if you're a guest today. It's just an honor to have you. Question. Have you ever wanted to describe something, but you just couldn't seem to put it into words? Maybe you went on vacation to this little mountain cabin, and the view was incredible. And when you got home, you had to tell people about it, but you just couldn't describe it in a way where people could really understand how amazing it was. Or maybe you went to the beach, and when you went to the beach, uh, you stayed in this house, and it had this view of the ocean, and it was just amazing, and you came home, and you told people about it, but you just couldn't put it into words. Or maybe you met somebody. And you thought, oh, they are so incredible. i got to tell my friends about them. And, and you talk to your friends about them, and they just kind of like, well, I don't know. And you just couldn't really exactly put it in words. Or maybe you were on the other end. And somebody's trying to tell you about their favorite restaurant that they went to. And you thought, I've got to go there. And you went there. It's like, oh, it wasn't all that great. Or maybe they told you about that place at the beach or that cabin in the mountains. You thought, I've got to go there. And you finally go there. It's like, really, that's it? Or how many of you have ever been on a blind date? Nobody wants to admit it. I got one. I've been on a few. Um, not since I got married, okay? Just want to clarify that. But people would describe somebody to me and talk about how amazing they were and how beautiful they were. And you just got to meet this person. And then you meet the person that's like, really? And you know what? They're probably thinking the same thing about me. Really? Well, I've got good news for you. When it comes to describing Jesus Christ, you cannot over-promote him. You cannot oversell him. You cannot say too many great things about Jesus Christ because he is greater than we can ever begin to imagine. He is the king of glory. He is the God of this universe. 
And words can never begin to describe how great our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is. And we're going to talk about him today, okay? So if you don't mind, stand up in honor of Jesus Christ because we're going to brag on him. And I want to read to you from Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. Would you watch the screen, look at your Bible, read along silently as I read aloud? Talking about Jesus, the Bible says this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's also the head of the body, the church, and he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all. Say the word all with me. All. For all. The Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. Father, now bless this time in your word and speak to us for your glory in Jesus' name. You may be seated. This morning, we're going to spend some time bragging on Jesus. But we're not just going to brag on Jesus. We're going to talk about how Jesus wants to impact your life every single day, okay? Are you ready? Let's get started with who Jesus is. Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus Christ is the image, the perfect representation, that identical stamp, the exact likeness of God the Father. In John chapter 14, one of the disciples of Jesus by the name of Thomas said to Jesus, shortly before Jesus was going to leave this earth, Jesus was approached by Thomas and and Thomas said, show us the Father, Jesus, and that'll be enough. And Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. You're looking at him, Thomas. You're looking at God when you look at me. John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us, full of grace and truth, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten who came from the Father. Jesus Christ was and is fully God. Just as much God as God the Father, just as much God as God the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ was and is God. He always has been God. He always will be God. When he came to this earth, he was fully God and yet fully man, just as human as you are, yet completely God. John chapter 1 verse 3 says that without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. When Jesus Christ came to this earth, the invisible God became the visible, audible, approachable, knowable, and available God. Jesus Christ was divinity, clothed in humanity. He existed before all of creation, and Christ is Lord over all of creation. God the Father did not create Jesus, God the Son. Jesus always has been, he always will be fully God. Just as much God as though he never left heaven, becoming just as much man as though he had never been there. Here in Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17, Paul describes the comprehensive nature of Christ's creation. For by him, by Christ, 
All things were created both in the heavens and on the earth. The scope of Jesus' rule covers the entire universe. Why would you not want to follow him? He knows everything. He can do anything. And he loves you more than you have the capacity to begin to love. Have I got any golfers in the room? Anybody here who's ever played golf one time in your entire life? Okay. All right. I got about six of you. Okay. I, I know there's more than that. Most of them may be in second service. But suppose... Uh, you are to play in a golf scramble. That's four golfers on one team. Help me out, Mark. Okay. And uh, what they do is they take the best ball, and whoever ball is the best ball, they use it. And, and it's like a team game, okay? So suppose you're in a golf scramble, and there's three of you on the team, and you got to pick a fourth person to be on the team. And you can either pick me, who is the world's worst golfer, or you can put pick Tiger Woods in his prime. Also understand this, there is a million dollar prize for the winning team. Who are you going to pick? It's a no-brainer, right? Tell me, who are you picking? All right. Tiger Woods. All right, you really hurt my feelings. I just want you to know that. Not. Absolute you would pick Tiger Woods. It's a no-brainer, right? Suppose you're going to partner with somebody in business. Who are you going to partner with? Warren Buffett or some random middle schooler? Question, why would you not want to partner with Jesus Christ? He knows everything. He can do anything and he, he is the ruler of this universe. Why would you not want to combine your meager resources with his riches and glory? The Old Testament predicted a coming Messiah. But no one knew that Jesus Christ actually would actually take up residence inside each of us. Colossians 1.26 tells us that this is a mystery hidden for the ages. The most shocking part of this mystery to the Jew was not only would God take up his residence in the Jews, he would also live in non-Jews, also known as Gentiles. Turn to your neighbor, sneer at him and say, you're a stinking pagan Gentile scumbag. Now, you don't have to say all that. I don't want you to get punched in the face or anything. But that's about, some of you just wanted to say that, right? That's how the Jews looked at the Gentiles. Bunch of scumbags, pagans. We want nothing to do with you Gentiles. That's one reason why the Jews couldn't stand Paul preaching about Christ because he is telling them that God loves the Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And that Jesus Christ came not only for the Jew, but for the Gentiles. That Jesus said, and that Paul would later say, in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile. And the Jews had a hard time with that. This was a mystery to them. He would also live in those non-Jews known as Gentiles. No way that could please God, you thought, if you were a Jew. Go to verse 16. By him, by Jesus Christ, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. 
There was a heresy being taught by some to the Colossian church that Jesus was just another angel. But Jesus isn't just superior to the angels. He created them. All things were created by him and for him. The creator of everything was Jesus, and the purpose of everything was Jesus. The goal of creation was to glorify Jesus. Verse 17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Christ is before all things in rank and in time. And not only is he the creator of the world, he's the sustainer of it. By him, everything was created that was created. By him, everything came to be that came to be. And by him, everything holds together. Jesus Christ is both the creator and the sustainer of the universe. He holds it together. Take a deep breath. Ready? Who do you think gave you that breath? Jesus Christ, he created oxygen. He created lungs for you to be able to breathe. Isn't that incredible? Raise your right hand. Put it down. Raise your left hand. Put it down. Put your right foot in. I'm just kidding. Who do you think gave you the ability to raise your right hand? To raise your left hand? to raise your right foot, to raise your left foot. Who gave you the ability to get up out of bed this morning? Who gave you the ability to walk into this building today? Who created the person sitting next to you? Who created your children? Who created your grandchildren? Jesus Christ created it all. He is the creator of the universe. He not only created the universe, the Bible says he sustains the universe. He holds it all together. And one day when you get ready to leave this earth and you go to be with God in heaven, thank Jesus Christ because he came to this earth and he died on a cross for your sin. He was buried and he was raised on the third day and he's coming back again. And because of what Jesus Christ did for you, you get to live forever with him in heaven. And it's going to be beyond description. Nobody's going to get to heaven and say, I thought there was going to be more to it than that. Really? No. There is nothing That can compare to Jesus Christ. No place can compare to heaven and what it's going to be like. Verse 18 tells us that Jesus is also the head of the body, the church. The church is the bride of Christ. The church belongs to Christ. Christ is the one who governs the church. Christ is the one who guides the church. And he wants to govern and guide your life. Got any better options? Who are you going to suggest To guide your life. Oprah. AOC. Rush Limbaugh. Now that I've offended everybody. The Democratic Party. The Republican Party. People who like to party. Who are you going to put your life in the hands of? I suggest you put your hands, your life, into the hands of Jesus Christ. Amen? He knows everything, and he can do anything, and he loves you more than you can ever begin to imagine anybody loving you. 
Not only does he love you, he wants to guide you and he wants to empower you for living moment by moment and day by day. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Ephesians 3.20 says, you serve the God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably more than all you can ask or think or even imagine. In John 15.5, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. But through Christ, you can do everything that he has called you to do in this life. Go to verses 19 and 20. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all. There's that word again, all. For all the fullness of God to dwell in him. The Greek word for fullness here is pleroma. It's a key word in Colossians. It means completeness. The Greek word for dwell here is kedoidesai. It means to abide lastingly or to live permanently. There's nothing in God's character that is lacking in Christ. There's plenty lacking in you. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's plenty lacking in you. All right? And there's plenty lacking in me, right? I understand. They don't believe that. Ask my wife, okay? Ask my daughter if you really want to know. But Jesus is not lacking in anything. The good news continues in verses 19 to 22. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, one day all things will be restored to God. But just because he is amazing doesn't mean your future is going to be amazing. Verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Here's the bad news. If you've never turned from your sin and placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are lost. You are alienated from God. There is no hope for you in this world unless you're willing by God's grace to turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ and give your life to him. The good news is this, however. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't that good news? The Bible says, for God demonstrated his love for you. And that while you were yet a sinner, Jesus Christ came to this earth and he saw you there in your sin, way up into the future before you were ever born. And he said, I'll die for you. I'll die for your sin. Jesus Christ gave his life for you. The bad news is we all blow it. We all fail. The Bible says for all, say Lord all with me, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I've sinned, you've sinned, your grandma's sinned. Every single person who ever walked the face of this planet other than Jesus Christ has sinned. We've fallen short of God's glory. The Bible says there's none righteous, not even one. Not me, not you, not anybody can be right with God apart from the cross of Jesus Christ. 
The Bible says the wages, the payment for our sin is death, separation from God. One day, hell, if we do not give our lives to Christ. Verse 21 is followed by 22. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now... Because of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Romans 6.23 continues. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, say gift with me, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The scripture continues. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Now, if you grew up Southern Baptist, you probably heard the term, once saved, always saved. And that's a, a Southern Baptist doctrine. But, but I like the term, if saved, always saved, better. What that means is that if you have really given your life to Jesus Christ, not simply did you walk down an aisle, pray a prayer, get baptized in water, join a church, but if you have really given your life to Jesus Christ, if you know him, you don't have to worry about one day I'm going to blow it. One day I'm going to fail. One day I'm going to get ticked off at somebody. I'm going to lose my salvation. No, you're secure in Christ if you really know him. But make sure that you know him. Nail that down. If you know him, it's got to make a difference in the way that you live. If it doesn't make a way in the difference in the way that you live, live you may not know Christ. Jeff Foxworthy once said, how many have heard of Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy? All us old people and a few young people. Jeff Foxworthy once said, You might be a redneck if the directions to your house include the phrase, Turn off the paved road. Or your front porch collapses and four dogs get killed. Or you took a fishing pole to SeaWorld. Or your brother-in-law is also your uncle. Or you think the four last words of the Star Spangled Banner are, Gentlemen, start your engines. Or you own a home that's mobile and five cars that aren't. Or you think the stock market has a fence around it. Or your school fight song was dueling banjos. Your dog and your wallet are both on a chain. Might be a redneck. The point is, whatever you are on the inside is going to show on the outside. If you truly know Jesus Christ as your Savior who died for you, you've given your life to him as your Lord to guide you and empower you, it's got to make a difference in the way that you live. Otherwise, maybe you don't have the real thing. That doesn't mean following Jesus is going to be easy. Sometimes it's very difficult. And it's okay to be honest with God. How many of you get really honest with God? I do. Just yesterday, it's like, God, what in the world are you doing? Life doesn't make sense to me. Why is this not working out? Why is that not working? You ever feel like that? You ever talk to God? Say, God, I don't get this. It's okay. Be honest with God and to talk to him about what's going on in your life, okay? You don't have to be all fluffy and flowery and say, okay, I thank thee, oh God, that you are amazing and incredible, and I really have some things to say, but I don't want to say them because you might be mad at me. It doesn't say that, okay? Worship God, praise God, recognize God, be thankful to God, but also tell God how you feel. It's a good thing. Know this, following Christ is not easy. 
But praise God, we don't have to do it ourselves. We have some supernatural help through Jesus Christ our Lord. Colossians 1.27 again. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 3.20 says, you serve the God who's able to do more you can ask or think or even imagine. And if Christ lives inside of you, you can be a person of hope. No matter what your circumstances are in this life. That doesn't mean circumstances are always going to be easy. It doesn't mean that they'll never be confusing. How many ever have difficult and or confusing circumstances in your life? All right, I got a few of you. I do. Sometimes my circumstances are just weird, okay? The other night, it was about a week ago, I was out walking our dog, Benny the Beagle. 1030 at night. You got to walk him late at night, okay? Otherwise, you're going to get up really early in the morning, okay? Uh, so anyway, it's about 10.30 and I'm walking Benny the Beagle. I get back to the house, and when I start to walk up the driveway to go into the house, I notice there's a great big old possum right there sitting right in front of my front door. And that possum is huge. The more I tell the story, the bigger it gets, Okay. He's like up to 60 pounds now. But anyway, he's a big possum in my mind. And, and Benny, our little beagle, is like trying to jerk my arm off to go get that possum. And I'm like, I don't know what to do here. Because i got to get in the house. And uh, by the way, you might be a redneck if you're walking your beagle at 1030 at night and you see a possum on your front doorstep, okay? Anyway, here I am walking this dog. And he is wanting to go. And so should I let him go? Go get that boss. Like, well, what happens if he doesn't work out so well for him, you know? So finally, I did have a cell phone. I called Monique on the phone, and uh, she answers the phone. I said, Monique, there's a possum out there on the front doorstep. She's like, what are you talking about? It's like, no, really, there is one. Where? Right there, right in front of the door. She walks up to the front door, opens the front door, and she starts to open the front, and the possum comes in the house. No, it didn't come in the house. Okay. But she starts to open the front door, and the possum's like six inches away from her foot. And Michaela's with her. Street grabs the door, says, "Stop! The possum's right there, Mama." Well, thankfully, the possum finally left. Thank God for that, because I could have been out there a long time. But life is like that sometimes. Sometimes life is confusing. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. Sometimes there's a possum on your front doorstep and you don't know what to do. Sometimes there's a problem at work. Sometimes there's a problem at school. Sometimes there's a problem in your family and you don't know what to do about it. But I got good news. I know somebody who knows. And you can call on him. And you don't have to have a cell phone. You can go directly to God through Jesus Christ. And he always knows what to do. He's always there for you. And no, life doesn't always work out the way that you want it to work out. But he says, I'll be there with you. Because our God's got a hope. Our hope in Christ is a certain hope. You might say, I hope to pass geometry. Or I hope that girl really likes me. Or I hope to get... The job I'm applying for, or I hope to get out of church by 10 o'clock. I think you already missed that. It's 10.02, I think I see there. We're almost done, though. Biblical hope 
is a lot more than wishful thinking. Biblical hope is a certainty. Hebrews 6.19 says we have this hope as an anchor. You can count on it. Paul told Timothy, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. The Bible says he who started a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Our hope in Christ is a certain hope and it's twofold hope. You have hope for this life because Christ is with you and you have hope for eternal life because one day you will be with him forever. Not because you're amazing, but because Jesus Christ is amazing and he gave his life for you. Because of all that Christ has done for us, we got to do what Paul did. Paul says in verse 28, we proclaim him. We proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. We want to tell people about Jesus. One of my goals, one of my desires for us is that it would be hard to live in Hardin County and not hear about Jesus Christ from Northside Baptist Church. Wouldn't that be amazing? If all of us would go out and share the gospel with somebody, and they would share the gospel with somebody, and they would share the gospel with somebody, there's this exponential sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ with our community. And not only our community, but our nation and North America as we partner in this Annie Armstrong mission offering and out into the world. That's our goal. That's our mission to proclaim him. To proclaim Jesus Christ, the name that is above every name. And if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, today is your day. He's calling you to give your life to him and follow him in this great adventure called life. He doesn't promise you that follow him and life will always be easy. He doesn't say, follow me and there'll never be a possum on your doorstep. He doesn't say, follow me, you never had to walk the dog late at night. He doesn't say, follow me and you'll never be in the hospital or you'll never be in a nursing home or you're never going to have a toothache or a heartache or a headache or you're never going to lose a loved one. Jesus Christ says, follow me and I'll be with you. And I'll give you power, I'll give you guidance, I'll give you strength for the journey. As you live for me, as you follow me, as you proclaim me to the world. And that's what living is all about. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy and for your love. Thank you for Jesus Christ. The name above all names. And Thank you for the privilege of knowing you. Father, I pray for the person in this room today who may not know for sure if they know you. If that's you this morning, today's your day. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Today's your day to say, I want to follow Jesus. So I'd encourage you just to be honest with him today. It's not some magical formula or some scripted prayer. Just an honesty with God to say, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. 
I believe you died on the cross. You were buried, rose from the dead. I give my life to you. If you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, today's your day. For some of you, maybe you've done that. But if you're honest, lately you've kind of been going through the motions. You've had a few confusing circumstances. You've had some situations that didn't work out the way that you hoped that they would or you thought that they should. Jesus Christ is calling you to look to Him. Circumstances are going to change. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. Sometimes they don't make a lick of sense. But that's okay. Because Jesus Christ is always there to navigate, to help you through all the circumstances of life. For some of you, God might be calling you to join this church. Not a perfect church, but it's a good place to serve. Good place to reach out to the world from. Whatever God is calling you to do today, won't you say yes to Him? Father, now move in our invitation. Hear our prayer. And thank you for the love of our Father who sent our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray.